0: 8.40 here, last Friday night, god, there's a, there's a stranger in my bed, there's a pounding in my head, there's, there's glitter all over the room, there's, there's pink flamingos in the pool, I smell like a mini bar. DJ's passed out in the yard, Barbie's on the barbecue, is this a hickey or a bruise? I mean... Pictures of last night ended up online. I'm screwed. Oh, well. It's a blacked-out blur, but I'm pretty sure it ruled. Damn. So, last Friday night, we danced on tabletops. We took too many shots. I think we kissed, but I forgot last Friday night. Yeah, we maxed out our credit cards. We got kicked out of the bar. So, we hit the boulevard last Friday night. We went streaking in the park. We went skinny-dipping in the dark. And we had a menage a trois last Friday night. Yeah, I think we broke the law and always say we're going to stop. I'm trying to connect the dots. Don't know what to tell my boss. Think the city towed my car. Chandelier is on the floor. Ripped my favorite party dress. Warrant's out for my arrest. Think I need a ginger ale. That was such an epic fail. Okay, last Friday night, Katy Perry, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. What a song. I mean, so much energy in that song. Her her, her songs have great energy, and you can dance to them. And it uh, just brings me to how I like to spend my Sunday mornings with the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I like to sit down and think, okay, why do I want to do this work? Why do I want to do this work now? And in what areas of my life am I being dishonest? So... I've had uh, I've had some challenges over the past week, and uh, I was able to reframe these challenges this morning. It's like, oh, I'm going to use these challenges to be the best that I can be. Let me let me use these challenges to to lift my game, to be a, to be a better man. God, this chapter four we agnostic. So what I do is I, I read through the big book, and. With those three questions in mind. Why do I want to do this work? Why do I want to do this work now? Where am I being dishonest? So why do I want to do this work? Uh, because I want to be more functional. I want to be more adult. I want to experience more of life. I don't want to live such a small, cramped you know, life in the cave. Right? I'm, I'm 56 years of age. I, I want to grow up. So... This is the challenge: to be doomed to an addict's death or to live on a spiritual basis. All right, that's the that's the presentation here. And so, though I, I didn't feel like I was, you know, verging ever verging on death from from my addictions, I definitely felt discouraged, depressed, and I noticed how the, the toll of my troubles and dysfunctions and malfunctions and bad behavior, the toll it was taking on me so that it made it more and more difficult to make good decisions. And then the, the, the downward spiral it was easy to get caught and it going down, 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 like increasingly isolated. And then to deal with the pain of isolation, detaching into a world of fantasy. And when, when reality becomes too painful, just spend more and more time in fantasy. The more time I spend in fantasy, the less functional I become in reality. So that was the downward spiral that I often found myself in. So I had to find a spiritual basis for life or else. And God, I hate that term, spiritual. Like, I thought I'd, I'd settled that term a long time ago, spiritual. Like, I, I, I took Dennis Prager's definition that uh, uh, spirituality is a way to try to get the benefits from organized religion without paying the price of organized religion. So I thought I'd had this settled like 20 years before, but my my approach to life didn't cut it. Like the things I was doing, converting to Judaism, being a good Dennis Prager acolyte, just wasn't dealing with my crippling emotional addictions. And then this is a sentence that I just started journaling on this morning. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome addiction... Many of us would have recovered long ago. So I thought if I just adopted a new code of morality, like Dennis Prager morality, ethical monotheism, orthodox Judaism, Talmudic morality, if I just adopt, you know, Talmudic morality, I'd get my life sorted out. But this is what I found. Your mileage may vary. These codes and these philosophies did not save me no matter how much I tried them and how many I tried. right? I kept trying different codes of morality, different philosophies of life, uh, new approaches to self-help, uh, therapy, uh, took on different causes, different habits. Uh, none of it really cut it for me. I wished to be moral. I wished to be philosophically comforted. I wished all those things with all my might but the needed power to change my life was not there. Right? My mere human resources, marshaled by my will, was not sufficient. In fact, they failed me utterly. So lack of power. That was my dilemma. Like, How do I get the power to do the things that I need to do that I'm not naturally inclined to do? So, for example, I'm not particularly a detail person. Right? I'm not the type of bloke you want checking the engines before the plane takes off good afternoon mr. East Coast Right. like so where do I get the power to do the things I need to do such as to be a, a good employee right I find it useful to think of being an employee is like being a slave like for 40 hours a week all right I'm there to be the instrument of, of my employer so this is a medical device it tells me my blood oxygen level all right this is a device it's a, it's an instrument and if I'm going to be a good employee, I have to learn to be an instrument of, of my employer. Where am I going to find the power to subject my ego and, and subject my self-destructive impulses so that I can be a good instrument for my employer? So w- what I do is I start a new job and go, okay, this time I'm not going to talk inappropriately to women. I'm not going to talk inappropriately to men. I'm not going to try to get distracted from my job task by carrying on deep and heavy and meaningful conversations with, with people in the workplace. When I'm at work, I'm only going to do work. I'm not going to do these side things. And all my dedications, all my vows, all my new codes of morality, my, my new philosophies of life just didn't cut it. So I was continually getting in trouble for the, for the sexually provocative and otherwise inappropriate things, I'd say, in the workplace so always getting in trouble for doing non-work things in the workplace, like working on my book, A History of Sex and Film. Well, at work. Uh, workplaces are just full of liberal office zombies with stupid inner circles. Well, guess what? Workplaces are filled with people like you or me, right? People in work, like these stupid liberal zombies, they are more stupid or deluded than you or me, right? They may be stupid and deluded in different ways than we are, right? But uh, I've consistently found in work that there are a lot of people that I can relate to. There are people that I can get along with, and there are people that I can learn from. And I can always learn something about human nature, and I can always learn some some practical skills in, in the workplace. I'm not either of those. I've learned to put my head down and just focus on my job, which makes it more boring. Why can't you get along with the other liberal zombies in the office? Why can't you talk to them about sports, talk to them about the weather, talk to them about family, uh, talk to them about poetry? I thought in the past that I could relate to a co-worker, then they turned me into HR. Well, here's a tip. Don't ask your co-worker for a blowjob, right? Desist from asking your co-workers for blowjobs, like, Don't get into sex, politics, religion, or race in the workplace. Sports and weather are lame. It's an opportunity to connect with other people. Tell them about a great poem you've read. Uh, Talk to them about their hobbies. What's wrong with a good kiss on the lips? You don't have to go stampeding after the clitoris. Uh, Talk to them about uh, their work history. Talk to them about their hopes and dreams. Uh, talk to them about, say, some non-offensive humor that you've heard recently. Uh, talk to them about a, a great new TV show or, or movie. Uh, find out where they ask them about if they went to church or. So many possibilities for human connection. All right, we need a power greater than myself that will solve my problem. Damn, that that spoke to me. So where was this power? So I've always kind of known things that I I can only talk to my boss about economics. Well, great. Talk about economics. Uh, Talk about business. Talk about uh, maybe what competitors are doing. Talk about the trajectory of the field that you're in. Uh, doesn't your boss have people that he cares about? Forty, lose that old big stretched neck hole black T-shirt, my bro. You're better than that. Doesn't doesn't your boss have a spouse, a family, hobbies? The liberals don't understand economics. They love government handouts and democracy. Well, most economists are liberals, so I am going to differ from you. Now, the proportion of liberals to non-liberals in the economics department is a smaller proportion than any other social science or humanities department. So liberals probably outnumber conservatives probably about 2 to 1 in economics, while in pretty much any other social science they they tend to outnumber conservatives by like 10 to 1. But uh, just listening to this Katy Perry song uh, Friday night and thinking about the... Uh, the I follow Peter Schiff. Oi ve, That guy's been wrong on so much. Anyway, I was just listening to this Katy Perry song and thinking about the, the self-destructive addictive patterns that she describes in there and thinking about the, the need for, for power and how I had to let go of my feeling that I had... I you know, completely dealt with the problem of spirituality. That Oh, spirituality is just a cheap cop-out for people looking to get the benefits of organized religion without paying the price of organized religion. And then I came to a way of living that says you have to find a spiritual basis for living or or die, essentially. It's like, oh, let me let me think a second time here. And I remember the first 12-step meeting I went to. And it was in a dingy room, it was not an impressive space and you looked around the people and they were not happy campers by and large, so I was in a room with like 30 to 40 kind of dingy characters, it seemed like but then when people started sharing I was able to relate to some part of everybody's share and then after the meeting I was able to bond with people I had so many things in common with, with various blokes in the program and so I found there's a tremendous power in telling stories and sharing stories of, of like a common, you know, life crushing uh, compulsion that, that we all, all shared. So hearing other people's stories, telling my story, finding a community, like feeling at home, like my my fantasy started. My fantasy started changing. My biggest clients are crazy left lib. Isn't there anything that you share a common humanity, doesn't it, your friends, family, hobbies that uh, you, can, you can bond with? So finding a home, like just kind of calming down, hearing other people tell a similar story to me and seeing how various people have made progress with their compulsions, uh, having this community, m- making friends, having, having certain rituals, uh, certain readings, having, having a literature, so it was the whole program. It wasn't just higher power, God, right? I, I've pretty much always believed in God, except for about four years in my life from 18 to 22. So it wasn't just finding a higher power, an abstract higher power. It was like hearing God made real in the stories of these fellow sufferers. I mean, it was like we'd all survived a plane crash. I mean, that, that's the sort of camaraderie that you can get in, in 12-step programs. And then having a common way of life, uh, steps, tools, traditions, you know, philosophies, you know, social gatherings, you know, hanging out with people before meetings, after meetings, having having an opportunity to be of service, which makes you feel feel good. Like if you ever feel really bad, um, a sponsor will frequently tell you, you know, go out on the street and pick up some trash, and then if you still feel bad, pick up more trash, and just keep picking up trash on your street till you feel better i need some stevie winwood higher love in my life or find a 12-step program i mean that's that's what worked for me i mean i immediately started calming down i immediately started feeling happier i immediately was then able to start making better decisions and my fantasy life like calmed down from like marquee Sade levels to you know, PG-13 levels. And so, like, what was the power? It was it was a power of where I could contribute, that, that I had a home and I could go and I could contribute and I could be a valuable part of this community and that I could walk the path that other people had walked. And it was simple. It wasn't easy, but I saw that I could do it. Like I read the steps and I read the tools and I heard people's stories and I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And so I, I'd long thought, I just, I just need a, a new code of morals. I just need a better philosophy of life. I just need some tweaks in my psychotherapy. I just need a, a new you know, self-help book. But uh, what I needed was power. And power comes from connection with other people. And I found 12 Steps Meetings a really good way to connect with other people. Get on the same page with other people, create a shared reality with other people, form bonds with people, get phone numbers, call people regularly, and then I was able to take these connections with me everywhere I went. So even when I'm alone here in my room, it's my connections that are still with me. It's like, oh, you know, I can't wait to tell my friend Chaim about this, and I'm going to talk tell my friend Levy about this book that I'm reading, and and. John will be able to relate to this uh, challenge that I had this week and you know, I wonder what uh, advice Peter would have in this situation or oh my god I think I'm experiencing right now something that, uh, that Cohen told me about you know, years ago and I couldn't understand what he was saying but now, you know, now finally I relate so I'm going to make some notes and I really want to talk to Cohen about this and so by building bonds in 12 Step Group those bonds would walk with me I'd walk down the street and I'd, I'd have a sense of those connections and looking forward to seeing people at the, the meeting that afternoon. So that's how I was able to find access to a power that was sufficient to, to help me you know, grapple and overcome these compulsions and, and emotional addictions that have been crushing my life. Bye-bye.